Everyone, this is Russell Hathcock with the Zen Rent Investment and Success Podcast. Um, I'm Russell Hathcock, if you don't know me by now. Um, so uh, I've, I had some experience with a podcast a, a little while back um, and actually scrapped that. So I'm, I'm brand new and the focus of this podcast is, is real estate. Um, so sometimes you live and learn. And, and so um, right now... Uh, the, the very first guest I'm having on this podcast is Heather Nicely. Now, before I we dive into that, Heather and I have actually been friends for, oh gosh, 15 or good 12 something plus years at this point. We've known each other a while through multiple uh, facets of, of the property management industry. My, my uh, area of expertise is property management. My whole career is property management. And so early on, I met Heather. Um, through hero pm homerails.net who was one of the first um web platforms out there for the property management industry specific to property management one of the first because prior to that um you know I, I, I would have a listing and i would have to go to 10 different websites and tap in the listing details on 10 different sites all, you know copy paste copy paste i mean it was just horrendous um homerails.net came around and we're the first ones to start to syndicate those leads, meaning I could put my listing in one place and they would do that work and syndicate it out. And so, um, so that's where Heather comes in. I thought, you know, this, the name of the podcast is investment and success. And, and you can't do that without, especially in this day and age, uh, we've got AI technology coming around the corner. Uh, technology is pushing the envelope. Um, and so I feel, and I think a lot of people would agree that, you can't run a successful uh, property management business um, that deals with investments without some some level of superior technology. And so, um, so Heather has an extensive uh, background with that. And I thought, who more perfect to come on and talk about technology in the property management space, uh, where it's been, where it's going, where she fits in, and why I think, um, she, you know, she's the first guest to be on the show because it's there's a conjoining factor there with technology and the industry. So um, Heather, introduce yourself. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Russ. I really appreciate uh, the introduction you've already given me. Um, it is true that I have a little bit of background in the technology space. I'll go a little further back than that even. Um, I moved to Arizona in 2000 and had the most horrendous experience purchasing my first house as a very young newlywed. And that horrendous experience just sparked this um, passion for real estate. Um, I learned things about fair housing through that. I was a, a young mom and, and almost got denied a loan because I was on maternity leave and they said I couldn't be on maternity leave when my house closed. And I had no idea what um, fair housing even was or familial status was or any of those things. And because of that experience, uh, I just found out that I have this passion for real estate and passion for people and those two collide. Um, and so I did real estate for a few years and then, um, by accident got sucked into the property management role. Uh, as, mo as most do. <laughs> right. It was, it was honest to goodness, the redheaded stepchild. All I knew is all my realtor friends said, just whatever you do, don't ever do rentals. Don't work with tenants. Property management is horrible. And then there's the typical, you can't make any money doing property management. You know, that's what I heard a lot when I was in real estate. And so, um, I fell into property management by accident, um, through getting hired for a company that was looking to um, bring some of these technology tools to the property management space. You know, on the real estate side, we already all had the most updated phone and we had Salesforce and we were doing things with the CRM that were much more advanced than what I saw on the property management side. Um, property managers were much more resistant to change and wanting to do things on paper and a little bit old school. And so it was an interesting challenge to go from um, what technically is the entire industry, but you see this division between what the sales agents are doing with technology and what the property managers are doing with technology. And so it's been a journey. Uh, I stepped into that role in 2011, uh, and I've, I've since then worked with a couple different companies. Usually they have been um, technology heavy uh, as far as what my role has been there. And I've just seen the industry shift and change. And the one thing that I've seen that has not changed is change. Uh, and so we're learning to use technology just to be more efficient, uh, to make more money. Uh, and we're starting to see that the consumers expect it. So long gone are the days where you can say, I can get away with being old school. Um, because now we're starting to see that if you are behind in technology, you're just not going to survive. 
Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I find myself, uh, you know, so because Zen Rent, you know, the the name has only been around a couple years, but uh, my roots go back much deeper than that. Um, so our prior company uh, started in 1991. My father-in-law started it. You know, he they brought a lot of that knowledge base over the years that you know trade from this staff member to this, and so I stepped into a seasoned company, uh, and, and uh, sometimes I didn't even appreciate it. Because, uh, you know, back when I started, it was, you know, to put it uh, nicely, it was pretty backwards. But the tech, you know, I, so I stepped in 2004. And, and back in those days, the top of the line product was RPM. I mean, you're, and it was like Windows DOS. I mean, Windows 98 system. You know, and and I and I didn't come from a lot of technology. And the truth is, once I started here, two thousand four, that's when I barely started to use email. I mean, I think I had an email address, and then I got one. I'm like, oh, hey, guess what? You could get a domain and put your business name. Oh, you know, that's your email, and you know, but we it was a ninety, you know, Windows DOS system. And if you don't know what that means, that means you know, think of the Apple computer in your 1980s classroom. It was like block letter. But point is, I just didn't, you know what I mean? I was like, whoa, this is weird because to do business, I, I had to print off my owner list. I had to print off my property list. I had to print off my tenant list and vendor list, go sit at my desk and call someone, you know, not really email them. I was going to call them. Right. Um, and, uh, so we, we slowly, you know, that's 2004, um, but we were just a bit behind. Promise was the system that most were using at that time, and we upgraded, and I had to, it was so confusing because I had to shift to a network server environment, and a lot of that was, hey, here's the instruction manual, how you set up a server, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to put that into perspective that you know, now I'm like, that's crazy. Put, putting together a server network for your software and stuff. But so you've kind of seen, seen that evolution too. Um, but, but I've seen that evolution, which is to say it was not long ago. We were in, at least in my company and it's, we have attempted to stay in line, but you know, 2004, I mean, real estate agents had zip forms. I mean, they had a lot of different technologies. And so I think from what you're speaking of, there, there was a big gap uh, between, right. uh, you know, which is to say property management in and of itself uh, was pretty far behind technologically speaking. So where, when did you get your license? So I first got licensed in January of 2004. Um, okay. And I, I primarily just did sales and everything that you just said, like rang really true for me because when in 2004 when I got licensed um, that was when I first really got into email as well and um, and I had a website and I almost felt like you could not legitimize yourself as an agent because you didn't have a website like that was like a big deal yeah. back then um, so, and it's funny but, that, so and you were focused on just sales at that point right yep okay. right exactly yep and and then it was weird because when I stepped into property management in 2011 I went to my very first trade show actually I want to say it was broker owner of 2012 I went to my first trade show for the property management space and remember standing at the booth telling property managers you need a website and them arguing with me about how websites are not a big deal they're never gonna last you don't need them for business and it was such a mental shift for me because back in 2004 that was like the greatest thing and you could not be an agent if you didn't have your own website so it was yeah. such a weird thing to Seven years later, still be, you know, it was like full and teeth in the property management space to say you have to have a website. And even today, I wonder when something new comes to technology, is this a new website? Like, is this the thing that's either going to legitimize you or 10 years down the road, we're going to be saying how silly that we thought we didn't need that, right? Yeah. Well, and so roughly, yeah, so 2004, our company did have a website. And for me to add a listing to that site, I had to get the you know, Microsoft front page HTML editor to go into the back code and, you know, someone else in the company, the, the original, you know, tech that built a site showed him how to edit the code and add an address and add a, like two or three photos. I mean, it was crazy. I was like, you know, I mean, I look back, I'm like, wow, that was nuts to let, you know, a consumer just go on this website with the HTML code. And sometimes we would get it wrong and this listing wouldn't, 
display properly yeah. and I'd have to go look back and compare different codes to different properties and be like, Oh, well, there's a little slash mark and a, you know, quotation, whatever that's missing. Let's put that in. Oh, it works now. I mean, right. it's like right. a code. Right. I mean, crazy stuff. But, um, so, but I'm trying to remember if it was what year, 2007, 2008. So, uh, I first, you know, I started, I would, I started getting involved with NARPM probably about 2007. I started to re realize like, you know, our company, it was like, Hey, well, where do you get a site? I don't know. Let's go right. get open the yellow book. I mean, right. um, but right. I went to a trade show and NARPM. I was like, Oh, I didn't really know about NARPM and what it was. And my eyes were open. Like, Hey, here's, these aren't competitors. These are comrades that are fighting a similar fight that I am that, Hey, getting the tools to get to the next level where, you know, you had to be proactive to go find some of those things. So homereels.net was one of the first ancillary technology uh, property management uh, uh, companies that I saw um, that actually added that benefit of, you know, t go going from paper statements on a DOS spreadsheet. I mean, just crazy level uh, handwork um, to being able to publish owner statements online. They were the first ones to offer that technology syndicate right. listing. So what, wh how did you get involved if, and, and you know, uh, with homerails.net and hero PM and when, sure, sure. Yeah. So .net was, you know, highly influential in bringing technology to property management. My understanding, it was before my time, but my understanding was they were the first ones to ever put a rental property online. And they were the ones that originally developed the owner and tenant portal. Um, so they have quite a, a um, solid history in this space. Um, I didn't come in until a little bit later. HomeRentals.net had gone through a brand name change, so they rebranded as Hero PM. And then when I stepped onto the scene, I had the opportunity to serve into uh, a high-level leadership role. Um, they had gone through a period where, as they were going through their brand change, there were some things going on internally within the company that made it a little difficult for them to keep up um, with their workloads. So they went from being like, um, the number one vendor, most known vendor in NARPM to just kind of now there's some competition coming on the scene and at the same time because of things going on internally in the company, they were struggling a little bit keeping up with, you know, customer calls and customer emails and stuff. And so when I stepped in, I thought that I was originally just coming in to sell websites and uh, that seemed very natural and easy to me. And um, when I stepped into that role, I actually stepped into that role by accident uh, and when I stepped into that role, I felt like it was spending the majority of my time um, on the phone with property managers, apologizing that we were behind on their customer service requests. But I think that was probably the best thing that I could have ever done because I got to sit and talk to property managers all day and learn their pain points and learn, hey, what else needs to be developed? What are we not offering you that we should be offering you? And what problems do you have that maybe technology could solve? Uh, and so I'm super grateful for the opportunity to maybe have to um, um, de-escalate some of the frustration that was happening with our customers. I probably wouldn't have said that at the time, but I can yeah. say that now that it was a really good opportunity and experience for me. Um, I only stayed at that company for a few years um, as I stepped out of that space. So I have a ton of gratitude because I, I think I always knew that I was a little bit of a techno technology nerd. Technology seems to really um, intimidate a lot of people. And for me, it's just like this little puzzle. I'm like, oh, this is a neat toy. Let's figure it out. And I don't get frustrated as easily with it. And so to be able to merge my passion of real estate and then learn the property management space and people, and then now have this new thing where I'm like, and I geek out on technology and I'm going to get paid to do that too was amazing. Uh, and so that was kind of how I got started in the industry and with technology. And since then, I've just had the opportunity to serve in a couple other companies where we've gotten to leverage technology. Right after um, Hero PM, I got to serve as vice president for a company called Night Tenders. Mm -hmm. Night Tenders wasn't necessarily a technology company, but I can tell you that without technology, there would not have been a Night Tenders. So before we, let's kind of pause there for just a second. Um, so uh, Hero PM, they, so they were rebranding homerolls.net to Hero PM and the whole thought from that shift, because it was just like a listing syndication. They evolved to much more that publishing the owner statements. They were right. the first ones to connect with, other services to offer uh, tenant online portal payments. So for the first time ever, right. our company began to collect online payments. Um, they facilitated that. 
a, a number of things. And so that's kind of where you're fitting in there. You saw that evolution of not just a website that just, you know, showcases your listings, but offers right. a wide range of, of tools. And so, uh, so you, you, how involved were you in the, those developments or that evolution of, of the nest, you know, the, all those different pieces of a, of a website? Yeah, good question. So I think that up until that point, we had seen the website as just an over-glorified business card. Um, but for the property management space, your website is functional. It's where tenants go to apply, it's where they go to pay their rent online. It's really a, a tool to get work done, not necessarily just an over-glorified business card. And so, so, so you were you were connecting, yeah, like the first time ever rental applications and the the rent payment processing. What I mean, give us kind of a rough sketch of the various tools that websites were under your watch that you were helping to create. Right. So I, I can't take credit for the applications or the portals because those were there when I got there. But as I got there, we were able to start to leverage some of that more. More than anything, it was trying to also create the the um, the ease of transition for a property manager to be able to say, like, if I would have walked up to a property manager then and tried to tell them you need a portal, they wouldn't have known what a portal is because it's such a foreign thing to them. Yeah. So to try and, and extend the messaging of a portal is a scary word, maybe, if you don't know what it is at that time. Um, but here's really what you can do with a portal and figuring out what more can we build into a portal? Um, how can we connect it to the online payment system so that tenants are able to pay their rent online? And then what security do you need to go along with that? And how do you, how do you make sure that you not only offer that security, but you can give the messaging to owners and tenants that that's a secure thing where they're putting their documents and their personal information. Um, we, we change things on the daily. I feel like we were rapidly building things on a regular basis, things as simple as is there a way to export your listings to Craigslist so that you're not sitting there manually entering Craigslist data? And a YouTube video, I mean, that was revolutionary. Yeah, yeah. And so they're all very minor little things. But as we started rolling out these very minor little features, I think we were also sending a message that, hey, a lot of stuff can be automated and you can use computers to make your business efficient. And hey, stop doing so much stuff by hand. Um, and so it was just a, a series of a lot of little changes, little twists and little features that we continue to add to our software. So, and I, I know a lot more, but so I want you to, to help us understand um, in your words, you know, so you, we don't really hear about that, that company much. And, and what can, do you feel comfortable describing where you were trying to take the company and the advocacies that you were having versus what didn't happen? Do you, Sure. Yeah, I, I will. I will very carefully um, try and phrase. At the time, I think that we desperately wanted to build an online accounting platform, which was very foreign to us because at the time, Promise was the accounting, the leading accounting software solution, and people were still a little bit leery about having their data in the cloud. I remember one of the other software providers that was a major online provider had an outage back in 2012. Uh, and that made everybody stop for a second and go, do we really want to depend on a third party company and their servers to stay up and not be able to do our business? What happens if these companies go out of business? I don't even have my own records in my file cabinet anymore. And so that was a really tough transition. Um, but I think we knew that we really needed a rock solid accounting system online. Um, that was a big piece that I think we needed. And then the other piece that we really found that was valuable that I was really pushing towards is um, instead of having all of these different ancillary services that don't talk to each other and don't connect to each other, if we can all play nice and somehow uh, get them all together, uh, then there's data that right now we're losing. And the power in data to be able to know every single statistic that's going on in our industry, that's the power that we really need to um, be able to make good decisions moving forward for our businesses. And so if a third of the property managers have their listings here and then some property managers are paying for their listings on Zillow and some are only marketing on Craigslist. We now don't have the data for what's the average vacancy rating in any given town across America, right? And so because of that, because so many people are using different showing systems and leasing systems, it makes it a little bit hard as an industry to have um, really hard soft numbers. Uh, and so that was one of the things that I definitely think was a pain point that we wanted to try and solve. Um, the accounting piece, my understanding is HeroPM now has a cloud-based accounting solution that is in data, uh, last I heard, um, but I haven't really followed that in the last year or two, so uh, I apologize if that's not accurate information. Um, and I don't think that they're growing at a big rate anymore. I think that they're just kind of serving their existing customers from what I understand. Yeah, so, so and so off the cuff, I mean, because, you know, 
uh, I always had good relationship with Hero PM. Um, in a lot of ways, they, they, I mean, they almost had this, you know, 90, I mean, whatever the market share was with the technology, everybody was using them. Um, and we started to see market trends go another way, you know, so now we're seeing the app folio, the property where Buildium become more, pro, you know, I mean, no one ever hears of Hero PM anymore. Right. Uh, and you were trying to stay up with that technology curve and that just didn't get connected, right? I mean. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, there's reasons why I stepped out of that company that are on a more personal level. Uh, and so um, I think that it, a little piece of my heart was very sad and broken to see that they didn't end up continuing down that path because the customers at Hero were phenomenal and amazing. And in the time that I spent there, I just, I felt like they were family, not even just friends, but family. And, and, and so I wanted to see them really flourish and be successful just to continue to serve those customers because they're, yeah. you know, an incredible group of people, but that's how I met you. So. Yeah. So, so, and, and it was not after I saw that you left, cause I actually was holding out. I saw at folio property where, et cetera, um, come onto the market scene. And I'm like, you know what? I love hero PM. I love that whole thing. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to let them catch up. I'm going to let them catch up. And then when I saw you leave, ultimately I saw, wait, they weren't, they weren't keeping up with what was happening in some other, and it goes to show they lost that market share, uh, you know, at folio property where built, I mean, these are the big names that people know now when you don't hear of these guys. So I think it's unfortunate that, the ideas you were putting forward just didn't get the traction they needed to, to keep up. And so ultimately when I saw you leave, I was like, wow, they're not listening. And so I had to leave as well. So, um, you know, good memories there on, for, you know, it, it was a great thing yeah. for us. They helped us elevate. So I'm not trying to belittle that in any way. So I, I have appreciation yeah. for what they helped us achieve, but you know, building off of that. Uh, so, um, you know, so I think that a lot of people don't know your, your career. And, and so I'm happy to showcase that one, but two, so you've had a couple different companies you've worked with. Well, you know, Hey, how, how do I know Heather's good? They, she keeps going from company to company. Well, you know, there, I know there's more to it. So I wanted you to have a platform to kind of explain you, you've worked on multiple fronts, but there's always something happening. So that's why I want yeah. to, uh, draw this out and let let put it on record of of your uh, expertise. So anyway, where, where did you go after Hero PM? Sure. You know, um, when I start talking about my next company, I think what you just said really touches on it. Um, if there's always this balance of trying to figure out as a company, especially when you're in the high level leadership position, do we continue to offer what we've always had and continue to perfect it, continue to get the bugs and the kinks out, and how much of our resources do we put towards building new? And it's just this battle of we're putting so much resources into serving our existing customers that it's really hard to find in a high-level leadership um, that right proportionate amount of resources to put towards building new to where it doesn't cause pain for your existing customers and you're not so focused on growth, but at the same time, it's like if I have a development team, I can focus on bug fixes or I can focus on new features and how do I figure out which developers to put on which at what percentage, right? And so as I um, transitioned into my next role, my next role was with Night Tenders. They were the first after hours emergency call center for property managers. And so we just took phone calls that stuff broke in the house all day long. Yeah, it's, um, and, and, so, and similar, before night tenders, you know, I, we had, um, you know, after our cell phone and we had rigged our, our phone system to where, Hey, if this is an emergency call. So we were still having to, well, I mean, the whole thing's blurry, but at least we had a cell phone. We could take the after hour call. We would have spreadsheets, you know, cause we didn't necessarily have the technology on the go for a while, but whatever. Um, so night tenders was the first to bridge that gap to say, Hey, property managers, you can sleep at night. Uh, they were first on the scene for that um, and exactly. had a huge market share. A lot of people loved that product. Uh, yep, so yeah. anyway, what, um, so what, uh, are, do you, can you discuss what happened there and, you know? A, a little bit, yeah. So the founder of that company, Susan Alburn, she's one of my closest friends. Uh, she's an absolutely incredible woman and she's brilliant. And she was the one that identified there's a need in this industry. And somebody else should be able to pick up the phone so that you can go to your 
child's baseball game or a movie theater with your wife or, you know, whatever normal life is without worrying about, well, what happens if that type person I don't pick up that call? And that just it doesn't afford a property manager a decent lifestyle to know that they have to be on call 24-7. That's unheard of. Um, but if you're not on call 24-7, is there a risk involved there if something happens at a property? And so she was able to identify a system that she could put into place where she could ask a series of questions of a property manager and say, the same way you would handle it, you're giving us marching orders to handle it. Um, and uh, it was it was a very specific system that took probably a little bit of time to perfect. And as I stepped into my role at Night Tenders, I saw that it was innovative. It was brilliant. Um, they had their own proprietary software built that was also brilliant to be able to handle these calls uh, in a way that ensured that um, we were dispatching out the right vendors. We were following up with the emergency policies that were not only specific to that property manager, but specific to the um, owner special instructions specific to the uh, portfolio manager um, because each portfolio in a company had different vendors so even in that there was a huge need for technology in order to accomplish what she accomplished there um, and it was just innovative and it was amazing and my time there while i was there we definitely grew um, by leaps and bounds and also saw a need for not just after hours emergency maintenance but full maintenance coordination um, our maintenance coordination division grew um, just as fast, if not faster, than the after-hours division because people were just kind of starting to think, um, maybe I don't have to have someone in my office dispatching work orders. Maybe I can hire a VA, and the VA alternative would have been our company to go ahead and have us go ahead and do your maintenance coordination. Yeah, so again, I, I, this is what I love about your career. Um, you know, you've been on the, that, you know, if you think about the spear tip and the, the change, and it, you've been on that the point of that. Before night tenders, nobody was thinking about outsourcing and, you know, like, no, I'm not full. You know, that's how I was. It took me a while to get sold on that product. Um, yeah. And that product too. Right. Of Hey, well, I've got staff. I need the control. I need to know what's yeah. going on. And so, you know, they groomed me and, and, you know, hundreds of other PMs to think about outsourcing, but you guys also found some pain points. I mean, it's not easy. Yeah. I, and I think, and I, and I know I'm kind of leading into this question. Uh, and that was, I, I, you guys found that most PMs didn't have their act together, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So you were, you, know, when you, you were inventing this product and at the same time having to hold PM's hand to get their processes yes. shaped up so you saw that exactly right exactly right so you know there's there was no standard in the industry for this is the way you should do maintenance which i think um susan was brilliant she had her property management business and it was a tight run ship for years before she started night tenders um and so she, when you look at the software there were all these places for things that you know where's the water shut off where's the circuit protector or circuit box and most property managers don't know that information. They don't collect that information. And so to see the difference between the property manager that's very detail oriented and really has their processes all documented. And then the property manager where you're like, Hey, at what temperature in Arizona is no AC considered an emergency? And they're like, Hmm, I've never really thought about that question. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're looking at implementing these processes across multiple time zones, multiple yeah. temperate zones, uh, right. And so you've had to be innovative in how to solve those challenges and, and at least be part yeah. of that decision-making process. Right. Um, yeah. how, how many call centers did you guys have? And I mean, so our call center was all virtual, um, which is another thing that was before its time. I think a little bit, um, all of our um, call center representatives worked from home. Uh, we never had a brick and mortar call center, which um, was amazing because we were able to, um, work around the clock 24-7, 365 days a year. And if we were all located in a call center just in, you know, one state, Utah or wherever, it would have made it a little bit more challenging to do that. Um, and so that was something that at the time people had a really hard time following uh, when we would talk to people about uh, the way our company was run because virtual wasn't a thing. Now that we've all had COVID, virtual is the thing. <laughs> and here yeah. all these years later, people are like, oh, I don't need to have a building. So. So yeah, yet again, another innovation that, that you were a part of way ahead of anybody else um, it, working from home and virtual. Um, did you ever get into the virtual assistant space or, you know, I mean, I guess Night Tenders was yeah. that, but 
you know, you, you, yeah. you see that as its own sort of brand nowadays where companies will just do your paper shuffling. Did you have any involvement with that right. kind of stuff? So it's funny that you asked. Night tenders, somewhere along the way, we wondered if um, it was possible for us to outsource um, due to difference in scheduling and holidays, um, outsource some of our labor to the Philippines. And so um, Susan entrusted me, me with the task of researching. Can we have um, people in the Philippines answer any of our phones? what percentage of our staff should be U.S.-based if we did go that route because we didn't want to just be a call center in the Philippines. Uh, we knew that that wasn't going to serve the property management industry um, well, and that was gonna, we were going to receive pushback if we went that direction, and that wasn't um, our intention. But we knew that if we brought um, call center representatives from the Philippines, it meant that if a data center was ever out in the U.S., we would still be able to cover phones. If we wanted our employees to be able to have U.S. holidays off, they're not necessarily the same holidays in the Philippines. Um, so things like Independence Day, now we have coverage because we have staff in the Philippines. And so I hired our first um, Filipino call center representative. Um, but with that came some changes um, where I realized that if you start outsourcing and hiring some of those virtual assistants, well, now, now you really, really have to have a training mechanism for teaching them your processes. So it's one thing to have your processes written down. It's another thing to say, I'm training somebody in a completely different country who um, maybe doesn't know what a garage door opener even is because they don't exist where they come from. And now I'm teaching them how to troubleshoot a garage door opener for someone <laughs> in the U.S. And so we had to build an entire training university for our call center representatives. And so I got to work with that as well to try and teach people just common maintenance. Um, and it wasn't just for our Filipino staff. It was also for our U.S. staff as well. So that was probably one of my favorite projects that I got to work at. Yeah, so, so tons of innovation. And so um, I like to follow your career i mean and and stack this thing up so because there's hardly anything yeah. you haven't touched um yeah, but right. what i mean in, anything else technology wise you were part of uh with yeah. night tenders and 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 then what what transitioned you away from night tenders and what's what's going on with that well it's funny because as 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 i was working with night tenders i was building relationships with other people in the industry so we were working on systems for the the virtual maintenance coordination, the full-time maintenance coordination. I was doing a lot with the business development side of Night Tenders, was working with trying to onboard the, the uh, outbound, uh, the Philippine staff, building the training center. And then as I was building relationships with people in the industry, the next thing that kind of overlapped with my time at Night Tenders was getting connected with James Alderson uh, in Texas. And he was, he was doing on-site pros. And um, I, I know you're familiar with on-site pros, but on-site pros was also very innovative in the industry and also was one of those brilliant ideas where I felt like I was just pulled like a magnet to the fact that um, he was providing a third-party service to document the condition of rental properties when the tenant moved out and when the tenant moved in. And to me, that seemed genius. Um, I know that property managers were spending, some of them spending two and three hours inside a property doing extensive video and extensive photo documentation. And the concept of hey, someone else can go take those photos for you. You don't have to spend the three hours because your time is worth a lot of money, especially because a lot of property managers are the business owner as well. And so for them to really understand what their time is worth, uh, and um, most of them don't have even the equipment that on-site pros has in order to really be able to facilitate, hey, you can go take photos and have an app walk you through exactly what photos you should be taking. Uh, and um, some of those inspection apps were already on the market, um, but OnSite Pros offered this extra piece where they said, hey, we're not only going to do the service for you, but there's that third layer of protection. When you stand in front of a judge, it's not the tenant's photos versus the property manager's photos. It's, there's a third-party service that went out, um, and uh, the technicians at OnSite Pros as a third-party service, they're not sitting there going, I have to protect the owner, I have to protect the tenant. They're just there to document they're not even there to, you know, diagnose the problem. They're just there to say, here's what it looked like and do really good photo documentation. And so that was brilliant to me. When I saw that, I was like, um, I, I definitely think that that's the thing that Arizona needs. And at the time we, we had um, a market center manager here in Arizona, but he was not, um, he was just using it for his own properties and never really got it off the ground. So um, during my time at Night Centers, I was also working to build the market for onsite pros here in Arizona. So, so you, you had two roles and, and, and uh, so night tenders, um, I don't know if you got anything proprietary there, but you're obviously not there. Can you discuss what, what, I mean, they bought, got bought out ultimately, right? Yep, exactly. Yep. Uh, so uh, it was, it was, 
heavy on the service side, uh, very labor intensive. And I think that both Susan and I sat down and said, I don't know if we want to do something that's so labor intensive for the rest of our lives. Um, and um, there were other call centers coming on the scene that were also there. And Susan, uh, her mind is just out there to create. And so we kind of had this come to Jesus meeting where we were like, hey, if we weren't doing night centers, what would we do next? You know, and it was really, is this what we want to do for the rest of our life? Or is there a next? Uh, which I'm sure we'll get to what the next ended up being at some point in this conversation. But I think both of us were like excited that, you know, mm. I don't want to say Night Centers had run its course, but excited that we were a part of that. But then also just really wanting to find what the next um, project or adventure was going to be. Yeah. So, so through no fault of your own, uh, right. Night Tenders was purchased and, and on to the yep. next thing. You're working on site pros. And, and the truth is, before on site pros, um, you know, so there's a lot in the industry, um, that talk about fee maximization and, or, Hey, offer this new product or service and you can make a couple bucks. Um, right. no one had that conversation until onsite pros, or at least that I was aware yeah. of. So right. yet another thing you, you were helping to innovate, um, ease of time, ease of use, and so you're, you're saving your time, but, and making money off that process. Um, I, so, I didn't see that before onsite pros, right. at least in the Arizona market. Exactly right. I feel so blessed to have been surrounded by great minds, you know, and when I heard onsite pros, I didn't hear the, the, Hey, by the way, you can make a little money off of this near as much as I heard you can save a lot of money by saving time. Yeah. And, um, for me to walk into a property manager's office and sit and have that conversation with them and say, yeah, you might make an extra $20 off of this report, but what dollar amount are you putting on your time right now? Like, what could I pay you per hour to hire you? And, and just get that like deer in the headlights look on their face. Like, wait, what are you talking about? How much do you charge per hour? Like if I wanted to hire you to work for me for five hours, what would you charge me? And they didn't know. And so then to ask them, you know, if, if I can teach you how to have the owner pay for the cost of this report, and save you that two hours of documentation time plus your drive time, um, what would that be worth to you? So not even just the, the extra $20 profit that you might make or whatever, and that's not a firm number just so that anybody knows, but yeah. also in addition to that, the time that you're saving um, and really have them stop and think. And I can't even tell you how many dozens of property managers in Arizona that I sat in their office and said, what is your time worth? And just that concept of um, there are ways that I can outsource some of these pieces because my time is my most valuable asset and I cannot make more of that. So. And so you, you had the Arizona market. Uh, I mean, did you push onsite pros nationwide or what, what level uh, did you achieve in, in, in that company? Yeah, not necessarily. So I was really um, close with the uh, people that were growing it. Um, on-site pros, you have to have boots on the ground. And so we very strategically were focused on growing it slowly. I did anticipate that I would have more markets. So I just had the Phoenix market. I did want to take it to possibly Vegas and Tucson and up north in the Flagstaff area and had great um, intentions of expanding on-site pros. Uh, and then things changed a little bit. Um, we just got this little love letter, um, and it wasn't even to me, it was to somebody else, but, um, it, it was, um, uh, from the department of real estate and they were questioning whether or not that felt under the, fell under the guidelines of unlicensed activity. At the same time, I was involved in NARPM leadership and I was going to, um, the NARPM meetings where our commissioner, our real estate commissioner was teaching up in front of the class and talking about unlicensed activity. And so people would draw out examples. And the first time this happened, it was when I was at night tenders and somebody said, well, night tenders does maintenance coordination. Are they allowed to do that? And that was fun because I had this dialogue back and forth across the NARPA meeting with the real estate commissioner <laughs> explaining that, hey, we're not making decisions that impact the owner. We're just following this, you know, the, the, the property manager's instructions and we have a maintenance limit and we're not making decisions, you know? Um, and so that was that first time and I felt like I kind of like escaped like, whoo, okay, out of the hot seat. And then literally a couple months later, I got an ARPA meeting where the commissioner is teaching again and somebody says, well, there's this company that does these third party inspections, which we don't even use the word inspection. But um, again, I was like, like, it was like this deja vu of, oh my goodness. And so um, the, the real estate commissioner and her team uh, ended up changing a policy. 
and adding words to the policy that made us pause and question, are we actually violating something as soon as that new policy rolled out? We took a step back. I contacted the um, leadership in the company and said, hey, we might have a, a little challenge here in the Arizona market. I'm going to go ahead and send you guys this new policy that was just rolled out because I think there's a possibility that we might hit a snag. I don't necessarily think we are violating anything by doing it as far as the spirit of the law, but um, there's a lot of integrity in on-site pros and their leadership. And for us, it was, we're not going to be the ones to get in trouble. It's going to be our customers to get in trouble. They're going to get the fine from the Department of Real Estate. They're going to get the cease and desist orders. And we just, as a company, made a decision that we are not willing to put our customers in risk of that. We um, scheduled meetings with the commissioner, and this is where my uh, legislation uh, got started, my, my little fun experience in, in politics with um, the Arizona Department of Real Estate. We started setting up meetings, sat down and talked to them, and we voluntarily suspended the Arizona market. And I've been working on that for the last couple of years, actually, uh, and still we are in a position where we're currently suspended, but that doesn't mean that that's the way it always is. Yeah. And I actually loved on-site pros and I was, I was a client. And then soon after becoming a client, we ran into this challenge as well and, and it became awkward, yeah. but uh, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> no one, you know, violated the law or anything and everyone took right. the high road and just, just not, right. uh, just not get into that gray area. So just to be clear. Yeah. Um, I know I keep having a client with you and then losing you. <laughs> yeah. It's, over over it's weird. It's so we, we've, followed each other along and just as right. client uh, representative kind of level. We've also served right. together on the Phoenix uh, NARPM board together. Right. Uh, so we've gotten to know each other there. Um, and so you and I similarly started taking on this fight as well. Like, Hey, yeah. where's our voice within this? Like we don't see a problem. Yeah. We see how this elevates the industry. And so I devoted yeah. a lot of my time to advocacy of, positive change for the property management industry. And so you and I have kind of tag team that a little bit. I burned myself out yep. and so step back and I think <laughs> you and I both kind of do that. But um, so, so that gives a, that gives us a great preface of, of how you've developed your knowledge base, uh, why you're an authority, but where, where are you at now? What's, what's going on? Yeah, good question. So I think in the back of my mind, since that very first um, experience with zero PM, I have seen that there are pieces in the industry that are disjointed and disconnected. And for years would say, somebody needs to build, somebody needs to build, somebody needs to build. And then one day um, when sitting down with Susan Alburn and talking a little bit about night tenders and our customers and the systems that they don't have, it was that somebody needs to build conversation where she said, maybe that's our next adventure. Maybe it's us. Maybe we're somebody because collectively between the two of us, we have the knowledge, expertise, experience to be able to pull this off. Um, and I, I think when she first said it, I maybe didn't think she was serious. Um, after Night Tenders was acquired, uh, she started doing some property management consulting on the side for property managers. And so with her being one of my very best friends in the whole world, talking to her every day, she would hear these pain points as she was doing the consulting uh, and uh, I think we just decided that hey this somebody needs to build conversation that we've been having for the past seven years it might be us that we might be somebody so we started checking out what could be a potential software solution uh, and at the time it seemed like um, maybe it was this huge project and now looking back I can guarantee you it's a huge project <laughs> because <laughs> There were things that we didn't know that we know now, of course, and what we did know we knew was big at the time. But we really wanted to um, bridge the gap between all these little ancillary software solutions um, and build a solution that would serve as a platform where we could connect and plug in as many of those pieces as, as possible to collect that data that we were talking about earlier. In addition to that, we also saw through some of our ventures that there were just pieces that were not offered in the industry. And so at the time, um, we were talking to people that were trying to figure out how to do their task management, right? And so maybe they were using paper checklists, and we were like, there should be a software for that. Just little things like that. And so we decided to sit down and check out 16 um, modules for a new software and start building them. And we jumped in with both feet. We started building them. We have eight of the 16 built already. Uh, and when I say that, they're currently in beta um, they're not available to the public, but we have spent the last two and a half years with a full development team working full time um, 
you know, I would say 40 hours a week, but if I was to be realistic, that is not accurate. It's probably way more than that. I'm trying to uh, build a software solution for the industry to not only bring pieces to the industry that we don't have yet for single family property management, but also to be able to bridge the gap um, that we're experiencing with being willing to play well with anybody, uh, being willing to um, work on the APIs, because a lot of these companies would share their data, would love to export their data, but maybe they don't have the development resources to do some of the API work. And so uh, we want to be the ones that play well with everybody. Yeah. So in terms of, so a lot of the things that you're offering, uh, I mean, a lot of times you can find these solutions, these technologies, but it's a patchwork. Um, and, And certain technologies such as mine don't feed out some of the necessary information. So it's left us patching things, which, you know, anytime you patch something doesn't talk, Right. you either have to remember yourself to do this copy paste and basic yep. information, t- you know, contact information of client, tenant, whoever. So, right. but, uh, but so that's where Savvy Biz comes in. It's, it's connecting all these extra things yep. into one place and make them talk and make someone's life easier. Um, right. I don't know how much technology, especially over the last three to four years, I would say, um, you know, hey, try this, you know, let's go to Podio, Asana, uh, you know, I, I mean, Infusionsoft, constant contact. I mean, so much technology hit me. And, and sometimes I'm like, hey, that's good. Let's get it. Start it and realize, oh, well, that just opened up another can of worms. And before I know it, it, you know, yeah. puts a kink in my processes. And I'm, I'm constantly trying to reinvent, tr- constantly trying to uh, update the staff to the extent I almost give up sometimes. <laughs> it's, Right. Um, our foundational piece to our software really is to be able to track all of your communications in one centralized location. So our first module that most people start off with is our communication manager, where you literally plug in your email box and your, your text messages and your emails and your phone calls and everything can flow into one system, right? Um, but with that, you have to think um, right now, if you're using an outside CRM system for your leads, you're probably not tracking the phone calls for your leads in the same system that you're using to track phone calls for your owners and your tenants. Yeah. Some people are still writing them on a post-it note, you know, and that's just unheard of. And not only that, that's just not smart for legal reasons. If you end up in court and you want to have every interaction um, tied to an incident that happened with an owner or a tenant, you really need to be able to produce chronologically without having to rebuild entire conversations every single piece of interaction. So it might be maybe they walked in in person and you want to record the conversation at the front desk when the tenant first reported that they have mold, right? And then maybe they called and they emailed three times and before you got a chance to email them back, they called again. And so to be able to chronologically show, uh, you know, if you ended up in litigation that this is the conversation that happened, not only that, but everybody on your team should know. Anybody on your team at any point in time who's sitting at the front desk should be able to pull every note and see every interaction. So our centralized communication system uh, it tracks even down to U.S. mail, fax, a Zoom meeting, you know, anything. You can put every single communication that happened with that person. And then you can categorize it by unit, by tenant, by owner, by vendor, so that it's easy to retrieve la- later. Uh, and so it's just a really smart system to be able to start picking those pieces up. And then if you think about every software solution that you're probably already using right now, it does fit into there somehow. You are communicating with someone somehow for every single software system that you have. And so we know that starting with that as the foundation was huge. Um, and then you use the example of Podio or Asana. Um, task management is one of our most popular software modules that we have that a lot of people are excited about because we do have the uh, ability to track tasks and assign them and build those task templates. And so that's an example of a module that we have. But again, if you're going to assign a task and the task gets to call somebody, that should be tied into your communication system. You shouldn't have to then go open another software tab log in another system and be like, I called this person, you know, it should all be together really. If you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with that. And that's uh, for those that know me best has been, as I've seen this evolution, it's always like, Hey, we're, we're getting there. We're got, you know, from RPM to promise. Hey, that's better. Oh, from promise yeah. to uh, hero PM. Hey, that's great. That's better a couple more other cans of worms, oh, you know, and, and the list goes on of things um, that are just become mainstays at this point um, for right. property management companies. And so, uh, you know, 
now now if we kind of take that what you know your project do you have like an eta what where you're at and what uh yeah. you know, any any uh tidbits people could go chew on or look at on a website or what what do yeah. you everything like that yeah so um, by default, our Savvy Biz website is um, not cryptic, but has very limited information. It doesn't have a lot of pricing or anything because we're currently in beta. So our beta groups are giving us the feedback that we need as far as how to build those packages out in a way that works for a property manager. What we learned once we went into beta is that no property manager comes on and wants to start all eight modules at once because essentially each one of these modules is either replacing an existing system that they already had that they just wanted in one central location, or it's a system that they just haven't put into place yet. And so there's a little bit of a challenge of a training curve or a little bit of brain damage that comes along with that, right? And so when they come on with us, they might want to just work on one module at a time. Once they've implemented that in 30 to 60 days, then they'll start adding the next module and the next module. So over time, over the span of a year, they might bring in you know, five or six modules with us and completely transform their business in the process and systematize and automate all of their processes that they were currently doing in an old school fashion. Um, but because of that, that made the pricing a little bit challenging for us because we definitely wanted to group it by packages and give that discount. But if you're gonna put somebody on a 12 month contract for a price over here for one module versus starting them off with 12 modules or eight modules or whatever, it definitely created some challenges for us. So the beta group that we have has been um, huge in giving us that feedback and working with us and implementing some stuff to let us know, hey, as a property manager who's also trying to run a business, I really can only do one module at a time. And then once that is systematized and you help me get my business where that's working right, then I want to do the next one. Because of that, we're, um, we kind of took a little bit of a step back. We thought that we were going to be live and available to the public at Broker Owner. Everybody knows with COVID, Broker Owner didn't happen. <laughs> so that changed things for us a little bit. because Yet another curveball thrown at you. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like everything. I'm, as we've been friends, I keep, uh, I'm, you know, on the sideline, on the PM side, I'm, I'm sitting here like looking like, okay, what's Heather going to do? What's, oh, there's a challenge. Oh, you know, I mean, that's what I feel yeah. like. There's like constant curveballs being but thrown. Yeah, all of it has worked out. Like after the fact, I'm like, oh, that worked out exactly how it should. And I think that's what we learned with broker owners too. It was like, we were ready to go public and roll this out. But at the same time, we had our beta testers that were telling us some of their things that they were learning as they were starting to implement stuff. And we were like, maybe we're going about this wrong. Maybe our pricing isn't exactly the way that we want to structure it. And maybe we need to onboard them more slowly because we're learning that we're not only um, helping them systematize, but we're also helping them write down processes and procedures again that they've never even considered. Same as we were talking about with night tenders, right? Um, and Susan is great with documentation. She's great with processes and procedures. And so as she was working one-on-one -on -one with beta testers, again, it was much like night tenders where she was saying, well, let's go ahead and work with your task management uh, processes and how do you do this? And they say, well, we don't have a consistent process. The way Susie does it might be different than the way Johnny does it, which is definitely different than the way Paul does it. And for our property managers, there's a little bit of a liability in that. If you have, you know, portfolio managers that represent your company and every single one of them is handling the same thing differently, you're opening yourself up to housing violations and lawsuits. And so that has been huge for us to realize as well. So broker owner not happening this year. It's probably a blessing, although I'm not sure I 100% feel that way yet, but I'm getting there. Um, we were working out an integration with Promise. Um, this might be the first time that most people are hearing about that, but we're super excited to uh, be offering online uh, tenant portals and owner portals for Promise as well to be an alternative solution for them. Uh, and so that information is just on the early stages of being marketed. It's in beta right now. We are accepting beta testers for that. So if anyone listening is on Promise's software, uh, you guys can go ahead and beta. And I think we're probably 30 to 60 days out from going ahead and launching that integration. So that's uh, And then from... Go ahead. I was gonna say that and that's exciting because a lot of folks like me included uh, it was a begrudging uh, I, I don't use promise anymore but the thought was traditionally like well hey let's transition to something else um, it has all yeah. the bells and whistles but and and a lot of folks seemingly was like well I missed the accounting side of promise mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so I'm excited that you you might have a solution that can capture all those best of all the worlds, like all the yep. bells and whistles and the efficiencies, the task management, yep. et cetera, right. and have some of the best accounting software as well. So, um, right. so you know, I think, you know, I, I, I personally know that you've been talking about the, these projects for a while 
Some right. others do. So I don't know how far spread, you know, the, the awareness is of savvy biz, but you know, I think, I think good things come to those that wait, you know, you know I mean? You can roll out something that's subpar and offer patchwork and, you know, uh, updates or whatever, or you can do it right the first time and, and ensure you've got a right. quality product. Cause, cause I think right. what, and, and this is me speaking, uh, you know, from the, from the outset of their conversation was like, Hey, we notice property management software is behind yeah. um, in terms of the broader general uh, technology available across other industries. But what's happened is e even as property management software is keeping up other technologies around us are evolving. Um, yeah. And so I think yeah. kind of coming off the, the, you know, the, the last leg of maybe uh, our, our chat here, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Cause even as we speak technology, it, you know, I mean the buzzword now is AI artificial intelligence. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you thought about some of that forward thinking, uh, you know, yeah. what, what's, the, what's the consumer going to want next year, two years from now, because it's the envelopes being pushed. Are you prepared for, uh, you know, technology shifts and, and what that looks yeah. like? Absolutely. So I think I mentioned that we spec out 16 modules. We have eight of them completed and we're, uh, we already have some of the pieces for the other eight in process that are being developed right now. Um, and it's funny, Susan kind of gives me a hard time because I say we have 22 modules spec'd out and she goes, Heather, I think it's only 16. But if I was to sit down and write the other ones that we haven't spec'd out yet, but we know we want to build, it is closer to 22 right now. And on a daily basis, because things are changing so quickly, um, we've already talked about in the portal, we need to have chat. Okay, well, there's different kinds of chat. There's that like lowest level of AI that they're using in chat, which is not even technically AI, right? Um, and as we start talking about, well, what does chat look like in the portal? Then we start talking about, well, where else can we use that? And then we start talking about, well, what data are we collecting with that? And so we very quickly move to, you realize how AI is going to change all of this for us? And I don't think the average single family property manager is of the opinion that AI is going to completely transform our industry. But I think if we were going to be realistic about it, there's data that AI is able to collect that, um, yes, we still need that human interaction and we need that human touch, but it's going to be able to predict the behaviors for property managers to where property managers um, are going to have the ability to be aware of things much earlier, like is a tenant likely to renew their lease? Is an owner likely to renew their management agreement? Things like that, that we know just from the AI that we're already collecting, right? That most property managers don't have a way to tap into. And those things are very valuable and useful to a property manager when they're making business decisions. So we already are kind of looking at what does this look like 10 years from now? Um, are you able to speak about, because sometimes when I hear, you know, AI, I'm thinking, oh, I can, you know, set up my Apple Home Kit and, control the temperature thermostat temperature from my my yeah. phone i can control the temperature in my refrigerator um you know automated bill pay i mean so i'm when i think of ai and then i think about well, what does that mean for me as a property management business owner can you give any hint or thoughts of you know what is that to me what 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 should i expect in the future Right. Well, so, and I was going to ask you, like, so that's, that's um, maybe automating or give you access, giving you access to things that maybe you don't already have access to. But if I was to challenge you to think a little bit bigger than that, even, I would say, what if you could predict behaviors of people just based on data that's collected? What would that mean to you as a business owner? Um, what if you could predict the behaviors of um, people when certain things happen with the stocks, you know, or um, different things that happen with politics, and you knew that that meant that a certain percentage of your portfolio was going to have to be sold this year because you're going to have the great sell-off based off of what the stock market does. Like, there's so many things that we know we already have the data. We just haven't figured out how to use it yet. Uh, and if we had that information, maybe we'd be better prepared, and it would help us make decisions like um, when we're talking about fees or you know what we want to charge to manage a, manage a unit. If you had predictability with a specific, I'm going to use personality type for lack of a better term, um, but if you had a profile of, hey, this property here, and then you have predictability with that property, then what would you be able to do as far as making decisions for how you're going to manage that property? Okay. And then uh, lead generation, business development, uh, you... I mean, I know, yeah. I, I know you've thought about that, but what would that look like? Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to, I, I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to spend a yeah. bunch of money just to like sit on my duff. I mean, I need to make yeah. sure my, my company's yeah. secure. 
Yeah, so lead generation is probably where the AI, I think, gets me the most because um, I'm watching right now, we're dumping so much money into marketing and I'm going, but what if AI tells you that like, hey, like if a person has this FIGO score on this day, they go buy a car, which means on this day, they go to college, which means on this day, they're most likely to buy their first house. And, and you had all that information that was just in a system that just said like, hey, this person turns green when they're ready to buy an investment property or this person turns green when they're ready to go from being a tenant to an owner. Like what could you do? as a real estate uh, company, if you had that kind of information. And so maybe we wouldn't have to put as much money into all these marketing gimmicks if we had artificial intelligence to tell us where a person was at or what they were already able to do. And um, maybe at the point that they go buy a car, and this is just me pulling numbers out of my career, but if they go buy a car, then in 16.2 months, they're most more likely to then go buy their first house or whatever. If you had knowledge like that, then you would know what leads maybe you don't need to waste your time on. And I think saving the amount of time we spend chasing leads that aren't real leads or are not, even if they're a real lead, maybe it's not the right match for you. If you know you're looking for a specific profile of a specific property type with a specific owner with a specific number of units, and that's who you cater to, maybe you won't spend as much time cold calling or picking up the phone for owners that wouldn't be the right type of owner for you because you have that. So it sounds like to me in a, uh, that AI isn't so much about, you know, watching the robot walk around the, you know, <laughs> serving right. you a platter full of, of drink or whatever, right. a snack. Right. I mean, it's, it's not, what I think uh, and a lot of people, maybe they hear that word AI and yeah. they don't know what to equate. Oh, I got this little I robot that sweeps my floor for me. I mean, it, they're, they're thinking like the Jetsons, but, Truth is, it's using the technology to sort data at exactly a level right. of predictability. Yeah. So, hey, we can yeah. plug in these, the tenant reports, the owner report, whatever, and this can right. tell us some things that's better and, and stuff. So along with the automation, but... Um, and we're looking at property managers that are trying to figure out, should they go into other markets, but they don't have the data collected to be able to determine if that's going to be a good decision based on what they offer as a property management service. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to say like, here, yeah, that really is a need because here's the data to back why that's going to be a need and be successful in that market. Um, so. And I, 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 I like that, that thought because I, I know a number of uh, man, business owners, property management business owners, Hey, I'm successful in this city. Well, I'm going to go over there because I've done well. I like my brand. I like this. I like that. Uh, I'm just going to replicate what I'm doing and it's going to just work well. Oh, that's a challenge. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, and what I offer, they don't need there because they have a different solution that they think works better for them because they're more high rise buildings or whatever. Right. Yeah. That could yeah. be a crowded market. I, who knows? But right. you know, but Anyway, I mean, any last thoughts? I'm, I kind of, I think I accomplished what I was hoping to do, and that is uh, introduce you to the, to the, or it showcase your talents and your career path and why I believe, um, I don't know the right word, but, you know, you should be notated better within the property management technology space. And so, um, because I know moving forward, you know, the, the technology. I, I mean, I, I feel like I've wasted money on this. I've tried this and this. And so I'm, I'm kind of ready to be done with that. And so I can just focus on my business. Yeah. So I am looking right. for someone that could just solve all that. And I don't want to think about it anymore. Um, right. And so, so I'm excited for, to, to see what you can unroll with, with uh, what you have. Um, and I've, and I feel like I share that with a lot of different property management business owners because I can't be yeah. successful without that technology. I mean, I, I can, I can be a great property manager, but if, if the market shifts and it's AI technology and there's more things, I can't be on the cutting edge without a, a, a reliable technology partner. So. Um, exactly right. Yeah. And that you just said it in a nutshell, like at the end of the day, um, I feel like property managers are there to manage properties, not to learn technology, not to learn what's coming for technology, not to have to keep up on what's going on with technology. And so we really do need strong partners here in the industry that are on the cusp of technology, not stuck in what they've been doing all along that's working and everybody's using, but really going out there and trying to find what's coming next. And the only thing that I really want to say to property managers is if you're open-minded, um, go ahead and buckle your seatbelt because what's coming next and coming down the pipeline in the next 10 years is cool. It's exciting. We're already seeing it in some other industries. We're seeing it in the medical industry. We're seeing it out there already being used in a really effective way. 
And we know that this industry is always a little bit behind, um, but it's really, really exciting to see how it's going to shift and change and solve some of those pain points for a lot of these property managers that I love and care about dearly. And so um, what you just said is 100% accurate. You keep managing properties and, and we're just really super excited to be bringing you solutions that are going to make that easier for you. Awesome. Well, uh, Heather, thank you. Thank you for your career and the, the um, involvement you've had with, uh, you know, the property management industry. You've had a very complimentary uh, career because um, sometimes, you know, property managers, you know, look at a technology or some other partner and they're like, well, you didn't ever manage a property. So how can you understand my needs? But right. I think, in some cases you can, cause that's, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's true. You, you don't manage properties. You've, you've had that real estate license and whatever, but you've been on, you've been on that support system developing things. And so you, um, I feel understand the needs very well. Um, you know, I have a real estate team that works with a, a team under me that works with tenant placement and does a little bit, um, but we don't manage any units actively. And that's by design because I feel like it's a conflict of interest. If you're in my market and I have your owner list, that's not going to serve you well. So I don't actively manage any properties and have intentionally for a number of years stayed out of that. But um, I think that I get more value out of talking to property managers like you every day and hearing you tell me the way you're doing it. Um, so experience, hands-on experience to solve just my individual pain points is huge but to be able to talk to hundreds of you and hear the collective pain points so that we can figure out what's going to serve the industry best as a whole. I think it's been more beneficial for me personally. Well, I appreciate you. And, and in fact, I didn't even uh, mention this, but uh, you just proved it again, as that is your high level of integrity. Uh, Cause I mean, we've been friends and so I know, you know, more of your personal details, et cetera, but I, I've always been impressed. You've been able to maintain that integrity uh, with, um, throughout your career path and, and you working with folks, being on the board, you've always kept that high level of integrity to offer respect for people and, um, you, you know, not get involved with the, the property management side, but, you know, so, so there's no conflict of interest. Um, and right. I, and I, anyway, exactly. point is I can just attest to uh, the integrity you've had with being fair with everybody. Um, Thanks. And I so, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. so, all right, well, with that, um, let's wrap it up. I appreciate you. And, and I hope everyone that, you know, in their office, wherever that listening enjoyed. Thank you. Thanks guys.